Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 it is a minute before three o'clock tuesday afternoon southern california live on kkla kprz i'm bob lapine thank you for being along with us we start a minute before three because everybody else starts they're wrapping up we're getting going you know we we're getting the jump on them here today i trust you have your uh, your mask handy back out Dust it off, clean, now that the mandate is back in effect in uh, in California. Not back on the menu. No, it's a mandate. It's not on the menu anymore. It's If you're going to be indoors, you need to have a mask on. That's what the governor has ordered up for us. I, last year at Christmas, I did get, I got a red felt mask that had a white beard attached to it. So, you know, that was kind of fun to wear to the grocery store. Um, for a while, <laughs> but um, it's back. the The mandate is back. So, Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, I, I trust. I, I assume you are headed home at some point this afternoon, this evening. You will head home if you are married. I would imagine that you are headed into. You're, you're going to be under the same roof tonight as your spouse. I mean, that's what's typical that's what's normal for most of us that married couples one of the things they do is they live together last week in the wall street journal claire ansbury who's the reporter wrote an article the headline was the secret to these successful marriages living apart she writes the number of married couples who live apart is a small but growing number. Here's how they they say the arrangement helps their families and their relationship. I'm just going to read a portion of this to you from the Wall Street Journal. She begins with the story of Laura Covington and George Sophis, who were married in the fall in a backyard ceremony in Virginia in the Shenandoah Valley. They honeymooned in Oregon and then returned home to their respective homes, one in McLean, Virginia, the other about 50 miles away in Stafford, Virginia. These newlyweds expect they will live apart for the next eight years until their youngest children are out of high school. Uh, Mrs. Covington says, we love the idea of eventually living together, but this is working with our different lives, careers, and kids. She's a lawyer with two children from a previous marriage and one dog. Her husband is a radiologist, four children, two dogs. The article goes on to say that Laura and George represent one of many ways that married couples are changing. Many couples who live apart have been married before and don't want to uproot their children from homes or schools or friends, and they can't, or they can't because of joint custody arrangements. Some have hit a rocky patch in their relationship and they need space, but they don't want a divorce. Living apart gives them greater flexibility and autonomy, and in many cases, helps draw them closer. This is what's interesting. The number of married people living apart, which includes military couples, 
is still small, but it went from almost 5% in the last decade to a new number, 3.6 million of us, according to figures from the Census Bureau. Susan Brown, who's a sociologist and works for the National Center for Family and Marriage Research at Bowling Bowling Green State University, says there's no single script for how we do marriage. We get married for our own personal fulfillment and happiness, and people define that in various ways. The number of living apart as married couples, it's no longer a trend of marriage becoming more individualized, she said. In in 2020, she and a colleague found that the share of newly married couples who live apart, not because of discord, has more than doubled. Newly married couples living apart is now 13% in 2018. That's up from 6% in 1980. The article goes on to talk about a variety of arrangements. In one case, there's a couple that uh, marital discord, they decided they did not want to divorce. So they, they're doing a separation, living apart, uh, and and trying to work things back together. That's That's been going on for a while. But I think what's interesting is this new phenomenon that leads the the article, this idea that you would get together, you would get married, and you you would begin your life together with an intentionality to be living under separate roofs and and getting together occasionally. So I, I read this and I thought, I wonder how many of you, or if any of you are in this situation, or you know somebody who is, why have you chosen that? Why is that the option you're picking? Um, do you think that that this is, is this an okay alternative? I mean, I'm thinking of Genesis 2. A man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. Oneness, togetherness, cleaving is a part of what marriage is supposed to be. Can you cleave if you live in Stafford and she lives in McLean? If you live in Orange County and he lives north? in the valley can, can you do and you see each other you know a couple of times a week and you you sleep over i mean you're married so it's okay right so i read this and i I thought of my friend ron deal who i've worked with for a number of years ron is um ron has had his head and his heart in in a lot of this space for decades he's an author speaker podcaster uh, Ron's written a number of number of books, most of them dealing with step family, blended family issues. In fact, uh, his most recent book is about blending a family. It's about uh, what you need to do to prepare to blend your family. That that's the title of it. And Ron's joining us this afternoon on Southern California Live to talk about this phenomenon and uh, and whether this is. This is something that's okay to do maybe if there are, I mean, like military, that's, that's, there's a rationale. But is it okay, an okay choice to make for couples to do this? So I want to w- welcome Ron to Southern California Live. Ron, good to talk to you. Bob, it's always good to be with you. Thanks for having me. And I want to see you sometime in that mask with the white beard on. That would be great. <laughs> well, it was fun going around the grocery store because you did get people who would point and laugh. So, you know, we needed a little levity last year in the middle of all we were going through. And uh, if we were going to wear masks, I was going to make a fashion statement, right? <laughs> there you go. And it sounds like we need a little levity again, once again, 
in in Southern California for sure. Exactly. Uh, so I, I read this article last week and I thought of you immediately, in fact, forwarded the article to you. Is this something that was on your radar screen before you saw the article, this phenomenon of couples who are making this choice? As a matter of fact, it was because we have had people contacting us here at Family Life, uh, the ministry I work with, Family Life Blended, and um, they've been asking, what do you think about this? You know, we've had a few people through the years, not a ton, but it's definitely on the radar. And as you noted, it seems to be growing in our culture. Um, And, you know, Bob, here's a question I want to ask people, and I'd love for somebody to call in, somebody to, you know, share with us what they're thinking, what their experience is. But the bottom line question I have for people is, what is it that you want? Um, Do you want a relationship that has, as you noted in the article, flexibility, autonomy, independence? Do you want convenience? Do you want to be able to go and do your own thing when you want to do your own thing? Or do you want a relationship that has a sense of permanence and stability and closeness and togetherness? I mean, which side of the teeter-totter are you on, independence or togetherness? (laughs) It it seems to me this is just yet another strategy that, (laughs) that people create in order to maintain what I call independent togetherness, when I can be with you without really having to be with you. And, of course, we're not talking about military setting or somebody has to be apart or a temporary arrangement. Somebody's working for six weeks somewhere, and, you know, we're not talking about that. We're talking about you're setting a course for your life of we're not going to live together. I I just want to know what you think you're building by making that decision, and at what cost is it going to come? Yeah, and and I hope folks will feel free to join the conversation, and we would love to hear from you if this is a part of your experience or if you have friends or relatives where this is going on. The number is 888-52-TALKS. That's 888-528-2557. You're welcome to call in, and uh, we would love to engage with you if you know somebody in this situation or if you're in this situation. It does seem to me, Ron, that it's a little bit like having a vacation home. Uh, I'm getting married to you because then I have access legitimately and legally to this this other place I can go. I, I want my, my life to be basically unencumbered, but I'd also like the fle- freedom and flexibility to uh, to check in and maybe hang out for a while, and then we, we separate after a while. That, that seems to be what people are thinking is going to be the most harmonious kind of a relationship that they can have with somebody. Well, I think on the on the best end, you're right. That could be what somebody's looking for. But I really think, Bob, that more often than not, this is a strategy that people fall into when they are looking for risk management. What I mean by that is they are looking for a way to, again, be with somebody without having to be with somebody. I make a little sacrifice. I make calculated sacrifices, but I don't have to give up a whole lot of stuff that's mine, uh, space that's mine, a place to go where I can be away from you. you know, I, if, I, if we have children, as was the example with some of the story in the, in the article, um, it's just easier for me to parent my kids, and we have less. We don't have to worry about step-parents coming in. We don't have to worry about major transition with children. So you just do yours, and I'll do mine, and we'll get together and sort of, you know, occasionally have romance. I, I, you know, how is this different from dating? 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a little bit like what cohabitation is. It's sort of risk management. I'm with you without having to really be with you. And I think as long as that's what people are pursuing, they should not be surprised when they wake up one day and they don't feel permanent hmm. in their relationship. If, if permanence is what you want, is if emotional safety and a sense of deep togetherness and intimacy is what you're after, I don't think you can go half on your level of commitment and expect to find that. Ron Deal joining us this afternoon. We're talking about the phenomenon of couples who are living apart in marriage as a way of, of as you said, risk management. They, you find it's just the easier way to do it. I, I do wonder the the, uh, the statement, if you have kids, what you're modeling for your kids has got to be a little confusing as they think about what they they're going to aspire to when they get married. This this is probably a bigger phenomenon among couples who are blending a family than it is among first marrieds, don't you think? I think it probably is. I don't have any data on that, but that would be my guess. Um, you know, again, it comes out of a heart and desire for somebody to repartner. They want to be with somebody. And they met met someone, fallen in love. There's a sense of, I want to be with you. And yet, uh, I don't want to have to make major changes. And again, Bob, my suspicion is I'm really deep inside just trying to avoid being hurt again. That's the mm-hmm. risk management piece. I, if I go all in, move, sell my house, move into yours, the kids move, we, we're obviously trying to merge families and, and, and do this thing. But if somehow it doesn't quite work out, boy, I go through a lot of pain. My kids go through a lot of pain. It's just easier for me to think about this as, no, we don't have to go that far. We keep it separate. Um, so so again, talk just, about – yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, what what is it you're after? I mean, if safety is what you want, meaning um, independence, well, then maybe this is a strategy that will work for you, and I don't know if it works as well for the other person or not, but – but if really what you want is permanence and, and emotional connectedness and safety, and you want to teach your children about healthy relationships, maybe you've already been through some hard, difficult, fractured relationships. You don't want to do that again. Sure, you don't want to do that again, but you also want to show them what healthy is. I, I, I'm afraid to say it, but you have to go all in in order to achieve that. Ron Deal joining us this afternoon on Southern California Live. The number to call if you'd like to join us is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Jennifer is on the line with us in L.A. And, and Jennifer, you you are living together with your husband, but in separate parts of the house. Is that right? Yes. And so we met 17 years ago. And when we met, we I still am in entertainment, but he is not. But we both met at work. We were in, a, in entertainment together. And he left to go to, after we got married, he left to San Diego. And we'd see each other maybe once a month. And then he went to Chicago, New York. And then he decided he wanted to change careers. And he went to Nevada for a couple years. And, uh, you know, it, for us, it, it worked only because um, I was a young widow, and I, at the time we met, I had a five-year-old, and I grew up where my parents moved me back and forth from the East Coast to California. I didn't want to do that to my daughter. I wanted to give her more stability. So he was fine with it, but 
he's been back, and we live in separate rooms, but I won't lie at all. It, it's a struggle because I realize, you know, he's been back. Like, he, he likes things a certain way. I like things a certain way. And so we can't stay in the same room together. I, I like the window open. He likes the space heater in there. So it, it does cause, you know, some issues. We're going through therapy because of it. But for my daughter, it did cause a lot of confusion. When you mentioned the kids, it, it caused a lot of confusion. And I'm worried about when she decides to get married because she's 21. I don't want her to do the same thing. Our situation was different because of the career choices that, you know, I didn't want to leave my, my job out here. Uh, and I didn't want to move her back and forth all over the place because he was, you know, chasing his dreams, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I understand that. So your situ- how long has he been back with you, Jennifer? Uh, two years. And so two years under the same roof in separate parts of the house, and and you do that just so you can have your own space and keep it the way you like it? Yeah, our, our own space. He, you know, he does, he's one that likes the room dark. He, you know, wants the heat on all the time. I can't have that. I need a lot of air. <laughs> I feel like I can't breathe. Uh, I like music on before I go to bed. You know, it soothes me. He doesn't. He wants quiet. So we just we just don't match when it comes to sleeping in the same room. Okay, Ron, your thoughts? Yeah, Jennifer, I'm wondering, so you were apart for a long time. Sounds like 15, 17 years, something like that. Um, and then when he came back, what has been your desire? Is it, has it been to, to be closer, to, to live together finally? Yes, that, that was, that's our desire. Um, but, well, initially, I'll say initially, because... About a couple months ago, he was talking about continuing the relationship and moving to Costa Rica. And once my daughter graduates from university, maybe me joining, and that caused a big problem. And that's why um, I, you know, we decided to go to therapy because that that's a little much. You know, I mean, it, it wasn't mm-hmm. easy or going to another country until my daughter graduates. That could be, a, you know, another you know four years, and that. You know, so he initially wanted us to, you know, be together in the same house, which is what we're doing now. But now it's almost like he wants to run away again. You know, it's, and, and so it's, I'm a little confused now because I understand why we did it the first time. But now he has a remote job in a different field. So I right. hear that right. he wants to go away now. So that's what's confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just was kind of struck by how you guys made some accommodations for a long period of time. And then when you had the opportunity to be together, you found that it wasn't as easy maybe as you had hoped or had wanted it to be. But I could clearly hear that that your desire is for more togetherness, more closeness, more commitment um, than what you've had in the past. And I'm glad you're going to get help because I do think at this point there's that desire for separateness is really getting in the way of you guys being able to connect. Well, it, it sounds to me like, from a prioritization standpoint, Jennifer, there are there are things that both of you might say. Uh, I prior our relationship is important, but there are things career is more important, or maybe even how light the the bedroom is, or how warm the bedroom is, is more important than than our togetherness. 
because uh, we were really so much younger when we met. We really wanted uh, our careers to take off. And I realized with him, him more so than I, um, and plus I have my mom here. I didn't want to leave my mom. That was a, a big issue. He didn't want me to leave my mom. But I really wanted him to follow his dream. That was so important for me because I know how much it meant to him. And then I started, once he left, I started, you know, saying, well, I'm going to pursue my dream. So we, we matched when it came to our careers. Um, and, and everything was great. You know, it, it worked out. But when he decided he wanted to change careers and then go in a different direction and get out of the entertainment field and go into social work, uh, that's when we had a, a conversation where I thought we were kind of on the same page where he was going to move back and everything was going to be more family-oriented. But it seemed like even though he has a remote job, he still wants to be away, and he doesn't want to work with me when it comes to sleeping in uh, the same room. I'm very flexible. Um, I don't think it's a lot to ask. Could we just crack the window so I don't feel claustrophobic? But with him, it's no, 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 no. I need the heat on. I need this. And I don't remember him being that way when we first met. And I often wonder... Maybe I didn't, maybe, I thought I knew him, but maybe, maybe I didn't, or maybe people just change as they get older. I, I'm so conflicted, you know, but it has been 17 years, and we don't want to give that up. We're, we're trying to figure out a way to keep it together where we don't yeah. leave each other, because we love each other very much. It's just there's certain things that I'm, I'm able to compromise. He's just not willing. So that's what's confusing. Ron? Yeah, I appreciate your honesty. I really do, Jennifer. And it, it is confusing. Um, you know, that's the thing about ambiguity is when you don't really know what you have, then you don't really know what you have. It, are we together? Are we not together? Under what conditions? What am I willing to give up for you? You know, Bob's observation about priority is really important. That that biblical phrase, leave father and mother, is really a whole lot more than just leaving the physical presence of your parents. It's really about growing up into this relationship and setting an allegiance with your new partner, with your, with your wife or husband, such that we're going to walk through life together. It's, it's repositioning your heart in every way, leaving a lot of things, who you were in the past, your childhood, uh, this physical space, the, the parents, traditions, whatever it re- is required of you, you have to leave behind in order to set your primary allegiance now with your new spouse. And you guys are just now into a place where here's your opportunity, Jennifer, and you're pursuing it through therapy, and I appreciate that because your opportunity is to begin to find that. You haven't had it for 17 years. Now's when your marriage really has an opportunity to begin. Ron Deal joining us this afternoon. Jennifer, thank you for the call. We're talking about couples who choose to be married and live separately, an article from the Wall Street Journal talking about that. We're talking to some of you who are making that choice. 888-52-TALKS is the number to call, 888-528-2557. And uh, we're going to continue the conversation after we take a quick time out. Stay with us. You're listening to Southern California Live on KKLA and KPRZ. Southern California Live, KKLA, KPRZ. I'm Bob Lapine. 
It's uh, 28 past three. We're talking about couples who marry and decide, I'm going to stay here. You stay there. We'll, we'll be together. We, we'll have dinner, you know, four nights a week or we'll, we'll make an arrangement, but we're going to keep, I'm going to keep my place. You keep your place. We're doing it for the job or for the kids or for whatever. We'd love to hear from you if that's the choice you've made or if you have friends or relatives who are making that choice. We'd love to hear how this is playing out in the real world. 888-52-TALKS is the number. 888-528-2557. I do want to mention, Ron, you you wrote a book that came out this year that I have recommended to a lot of friends I know who are uh, getting remarried They've they've been married and either through death or divorce they are they are now entering into a blended relationship. Uh, I was not aware until your book came out of any resource that really helps couples navigate what can be the challenging uh, waters of a of a blending or a remarriage. Um, and and your book is really a guidebook to help couples think through what's coming if they're thinking about starting a new family together, right? Yeah, it is, Bob. You know, we know that premarital counseling is really helpful for couples who are engaged and headed towards a wedding. It improves their relationship by 30%, and it reduces their risk of divorce by 31% over time. That's really amazing. Now, here's the catch. Blended family couples that are getting married, forming a stepfamily, 75% of them do not get any premarital preparation at all. And if they do get something, often in a local you know, church or something, um, they're going to get the same, you know, same three sessions or same material from the premarital counselor that they would normally give to a couple getting married for the very first time who doesn't have any children, doesn't have a past, doesn't have half their life uh, in, the, in the rearview mirror. So it's a very different thing to form a blended family marriage and there's really just not been a standard set of materials. And so we've tried to do that with this book, Preparing to Blend. comes with a leader's guide. We do virtual training uh, that's very accessible for people. We're starting that in January. And um, it, we're really hoping to help educate leaders and marriage mentors and pastors just as much as give a tool to couples who are just wanting to go through a book themselves. Yeah, you would you would say to a pastor who has got a couple that comes to them, um, and they're in a situation where, uh, through death or divorce, one or both of them has has had a previous marriage. You would say, uh, don't just presume that the same premarital counseling they may have gotten their first time is going to serve them as well the second time. You need a resource you can lean into like this. Yes, because really, coupleness does not necessarily equal familyness when it comes to a step family marriage. The important piece there is. It's one thing to prepare a couple to be husband and wife. It's a totally another thing to prepare them to be parent and step-parent, to be co-parent with a former spouse who the kids are still moving between the two households, to work together around parenting, around finances, bringing together their assets and their debts from the past and try to merge those things together, merging their holidays, their birthdays. You know, all the details of doing family living is far more complicated. And I think we just give couples a false sense of security, to be candid, when we send them through our premarital preparation program that our church does, and, you know, they get nothing to raise their awareness about the challenges of being a step-parent. 
and how different that is than being a biological parent and how hard it is to bond with children and kids of different ages. They give you a different feel. And there's just so many layers of complexity in step family living. So preparing them to be a family is the bigger goal. And if we don't give them any information along those lines, then unfortunately we've added to their sense uh, to the fantasy that they're walking in with that often then results in them being blindsided. There's a lot of well-intentioned, good-hearted, big-hearted couples who just sort of walk into a, a situation that they don't know how to manage, and then it gets the best of them. Hmm. We're talking this afternoon about an article that was last week in the Wall Street Journal about couples who are marrying with the idea, the intentionality that uh, for a period of time, maybe for an extended period of time, they're going to continue to maintain separate residences and live apart and be together occasionally I don't know what the frequency of that looks like or how they navigate that. It's different for every couple. But we're just talking about the wisdom of that, whether that's something that we would look at and say, you know, if that's what works for you, that's good. Or does that are we failing to live up to God's design for marriage if that's the way we do it? Are are we moving in together just because it's a social convenience or is it really what Genesis 2 points us to when it says leave, cleave, become one flesh. And we're taking your calls at 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. One of the things I noticed in this article, Ron, was that for some of these couples, it's it's a case of uh, people in their 80s who are in a retirement community who are, mm-hmm. are marrying. And, you know, the, she's got her apartment that she's kept. He's got his apartment that he's kept, all of their stuff. They just look at it and say, it would be just too much to try to to mash all of this together at our stage of life. So they get together, they spend the day together, they have dinner together, they watch TV together, and then uh, most of the time he'll kiss her goodnight and walk back to his place and, and stay there. I, I guess I'm trying to figure out, are there some scenarios that you'd look at and you'd go, you know, this is probably okay if that works best for you. This is not a violation of God's design. Or would you even say to the couple in their 80s in the retirement home, hey, I know this is going to be hard, but it's going to serve you better if the two of you, as the Beach Boys said, it's going to make it that much better if we can say goodnight and stay together. Wouldn't it be nice, right? Yeah. I think there's a difference between making a temporary decision. Uh, I I have... Uh, in the past, consulted with couples forming a blended family, for example, and one of them maybe has a 17-year-old who's about out of high school. They feel like they want to leave that child permanently in school. That makes a whole lot of sense to me, and that's a good decision. And so they're going to endure for a season until that child moves on to the next phase of life and then merge their household. I don't think we're talking about that. I, I think what was really interesting about our call with Jennifer, I so appreciated her calling and her candor. But I want you to just notice that there was a little bit of a narrative there of, okay, we're going to pursue our careers. We're going to live separately. You go do your thing. I'll do my thing, and we'll make this marriage thing work. But that slipped into an extended period of time that even now that they are living in the same under the same roof, they still can't figure out how to navigate togetherness. So what happened there is what was initially about convenience, perhaps, or uh, chasing a, a, a dream, it got in the way of them finding their ability to be 
one flesh, to be a couple, to be intimate and close and living connected lives. I, I just think that's the danger for people as they consider this option. Listen, Bob, let's talk about ambiguity for a minute. This is the whole world that we live in in a pandemic, okay? Uh, you know, you just shared the mask mandate is back in Southern California. Uh, people are living with the realities of us not knowing what the future holds. We are yeah. doing that day in and day out. That's why we have so many politicians who don't agree on how to handle this. Medical doctors don't agree on how to handle this. That's the nature of ambiguity. When you don't know what you have, you don't know what the path forward is. The same thing's going to happen in a relationship, whether you're cohabiting with somebody or you're married but not together. It's sort of like, what do we have? That that creates conflict around, well, what's the path forward? How then do we do life together? It's only when you have clarity that you have a sense of what is and therefore how we make this work and how we move forward in tandem with one another. Ambiguity does not serve relationships well. And and living apart is is there's a lack of of definitiveness there is what you're saying, right? I'm saying, uh, you know, in some cases it could be highly structured. You could have a lot of clarity about how you're going to live apart for a season, for a purpose. That would be okay. I think that would be all right. But somebody who just sort of says, well, this is the way we're going to do it. You live your life. I'll live my life. We'll figure out how to have a relationship. That, that's way – there's far too much ambiguity there for yeah. them to actually come together and have a relationship that, that is intimate and close and connected. Well, Ron Deal joining us this afternoon. We're going to take your phone calls after the break at 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. You can email us at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Are you living separately as a married couple by choice? Is that what, what's going on? We'd love to hear from you. Again, 888-52-TALKS is the number. Uh, what does it mean to leave Cleve and become one flesh? And can we do that with two different mailing addresses? Uh, We'll continue the conversation. Take your calls after this timeout. Stay with us. You're listening to Southern California Live on KKLA. Southern California Live on KKLA, KPRZ. I'm Bob Lapine. It's uh, 16 minutes before 4 o'clock. We're talking this afternoon about... Couples who marry and choose in their coming together to stay apart, to have two separate addresses, or to to be separated in the home that they're living in. Ron Deal is joining us. He's the head of Family Life Blended, an author and a speaker. He's just written a, a guidebook for couples who are remarrying called Preparing to Blend, Premarital Counsel for Couples Who Are Forming uh, a Second Marriage. And Ron, you and I have a, a mutual friend who um, lives in Little Rock, Arkansas, just took a job in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and over the next six months, he is going to be traveling back and forth while his family stays in Little Rock. He's traveling back and forth to Louisville. We'll be there for 11 days on and then 15 days in Little Rock back and forth to, to get this job done while his son finishes up his senior year in high school. In in that kind of a situation where there's an assignment, it's a short-term duty, it's mutually agreed on, we wouldn't look at that and say, this is going to be problematic. There may be some challenges, but it's not undermining God's design for marriage, right? 
That's correct. I have actually been in that situation in the past myself uh, between the transition taking place between two jobs. And it's, you know, there are challenges there. Uh, You miss out on some things and uh, it's understandable. But again, that's a time limited space by agreement. You both can see that the end is near, (laughs) you know, and you're going to walk it out and do the best you can. Uh, you know, that's understandable. We're not talking about that. I, I really think the issue is when people are programming life in such a way that they try to strike this balance where they can maintain. I, let me just be candid. I think for some people, they get to maintain their selfishness. Hmm. And, Bob, you know, the, the one thing that we really haven't talked about yet here related to this, especially for people who at the extreme are just trying to self-protect their heart and their own selfishness, it's marriage, as you and I have talked about many, many times, is one of God's tools for discipling us, for growing us up, for maturing us into the image of Christ. If we are not submitting ourselves to the journey of looking in the mirror and saying, Lord, what is it about me that I need to work on, that I need to submit to your spirit once again, that you need to help reshape? How can I take off my old self and put on the new self in light of this important relationship that I have committed myself to uh, and, and honor you in the process? I will grow up when I do that. But if I withhold, if I maintain, if I keep what I want to do when I want to do it, then I'm not putting myself in a position where I am learning sacrifice mm-hmm. or I am learning surrender. And I am not going to grow up in the manner in which God has designed marriage to, to, to grow me up. You're, you're not going to figure out what it looks like to live uh, for the good of another person as opposed to for your own good. And, and that's not to say that we sublimate our own needs completely and that we surrender our, our sense of, of uh, identity to, to another person. But it does mean that when we come together as one flesh, we are making some we're, – we're saying that our usness – is a priority going forward from this place. And I, I do think some of these couples that I read about in the Wall Street Journal, if this is a new normal, I don't think that's healthy for the state of marriages and families and for ultimately the state of a culture. If this is how couples say, well, we'll just have this independent, but occasionally it's it's kind of like friends with benefits expanded a little bit, right? Yes, it is a, yet another strategy <laughs> that we designed to try to be with somebody without having to be with somebody. It falls in the category of cohabiting relationships. Hmm. Uh, Very often they are like that, living apart together, you know, just blending families without blending anything, you know, living in separate residences and not trying to to merge any of our lifestyle or, you know, parenting practices or things like that. it's, It's fascinating to me how many ways we try to figure out how to not be alone, but to still be able to be by ourselves. Huh. I, I just I just think that that's an interesting in-between. Again, it's, it's ambiguity at its heart, and so it doesn't really bring about the opportunity for growth and gain. And look, Bob, uh, Nan and I have been married 35 years. Uh, today, you know, the thing I was learning, the sacrifice, was a decision I made this morning about how I used some of my time. My wife thought I was going to spend that time with her. I thought I was kind of going to be able to get two birds with one stone and do something that I need a task I needed to take care of and then spend time with her. You you know, and in hindsight, 
after we processed that, I was, you know, oh, here's another piece of me. I wanted to do this when I wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that going in, but in hindsight, I've learned another thing about myself that is at its root selfishness. Yeah. And it, it, it's marriage that helps me see that about myself. This is one of the gifts God gives us in close, intimate relationships. We get the benefit of being loved and being cared for and being in relationship with somebody who is a gift to us. And at the same time, I'm going to also have to face some things about myself and grow up in some ways I didn't expect. And that's okay, because that's what makes marriage even better. What Jesus said, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself. And learning how to deny ourselves is one of those things that can be challenging for all of us. But marriage is a part of God's tool to help us learn self-denial and how to live for the good of another person. Ron Deal joining us this afternoon. Our phones are open at 888-52-TALKS. We're talking about the choice of being married and living separately. And I'm I'm thinking about some of our listeners in the San Diego area, Ron, who are in the military. We know that there are people who are set off on six-month, nine-month deployments Mm -hmm. where uh, this is just this goes with the territory. That's very hard. Again, this we're, yeah. we're not saying that this situation that you're undermining marriage if you're off serving in a situation like this. But there are some. You you better go into a situation like that recognizing there are some dangers and and you better have some strategies for how you're going to deal with your long deployment apart from one another. Yeah, and by the way, thank you for your service. If that's you, yeah. Uh, I want to honor that because you're making a great sacrifice on behalf of what you're doing for our country and for people like me. So thank you. And yes, um, you want to stay connected. You want to not be forgotten. You're going to miss some stuff back home. And and at the same time, you want to be as close to it as you possibly can be. Thank goodness we have technology today that makes that so uh, easily available. It's a two-degree... 2D screen, but it's better than nothing, right? Right. Um, and so take advantage of that kind of thing. I mean, all of us, you know, we've got children in college. We've got people who live on the other part, the other side of the planet that we care about. We can find ways of staying connected. Uh, but again, what is it that you want? We started this hour by asking, what is it that you want? If you want a permanent, stable, committed, loving, intimate relationship, then you're going to have to make sacrifices that move you in that direction. You can't make choices that that do just the opposite of that. And so if that's what you want, then that's what you're going to have to do. Hmm. Before we wrap this up, I want to ask whether you've got the dates locked down yet for the event I know you do every spring that is for couples who are in uh, a blended relationship, couples who are, are trying to navigate that, the blended and blessed event. Is that date on the calendar already? It, it is on the calendar. Saturday, April 2nd, 2022 is the blended and blessed live stream event, which means you can be anywhere in the world. You can just sit at home and be a part of this marriage enrichment day for blended family couples specifically. Churches can host the event for a group of couples uh, it will be live in Houston, Texas. Um, if you want to come be with us live, we'd love to have you, but you don't have to. That's the beauty of this. Uh, you know, Bob, we've done this now for uh, a half a dozen years, and every event has grown audience. By the way, it'll be translated live into Spanish. Live stream is available in Spanish uh, this coming year as well. 
And it just amazes me how many people have um, come to know so much more about their life and their family, and their, their, their blended family is stronger as a result of being a part of Blended Blessed, and how many churches have said, you know, we don't have much expertise in that area, but we can host this thing. We can get some couples there, and it turns out to be a great, great ministry opportunity for a local church. And, and I would say to those who are, maybe you're in a blended marriage, be the one who goes to your pastor at your church and say, we would love to help facilitate this event. You know, if if a pastor hears about something like this on, on the radio, he thinks, well, that sounds like a good deal, but I've got my hands full. But, you know, when a couple in the church comes and says, we'd love to pitch in and make this a reality in our church, could we help with that? Every pastor I know says, thank you, Jesus, and, and is happy to host that event. So folks can find out more by going to the Family Life Blended website? They can. Or they can just go directly to blendedandblessed.com, blendedandblessed.com. If you want to know more about uh, the ministry that I'm involved in, come to familylife.com slash blended. Ron, thanks for the time this afternoon, for your expertise, and for all your work in this area. Always good to get a chance to connect with you and talk about these things. Take care, my friend. Yeah, Ron Deal joining us this afternoon on Southern California Live as we talk about really what's at the heart of marriage, what marriage is all about. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. That's not always easy, but it's good. It's God's good design for marriage, and uh, that's why we're talking about it. Uh, When we come back, we're going to talk about whether masculinity is by nature toxic. So stay with us for that. You're listening to Southern California Live on KKLA and KPRZ.